Hello world and thank you for joining us for another episode of Shot Colors. Wherever you're listening from, we do appreciate you joining us today. I am Jonathan. To my left I have... Richard. And to my right I got my boy... Andre. And we're here with another interesting topic. Um, just like we like to do in every episode, we're going to go over our quick little segment. Uh, still looking for a name, but we're going to check the tools... The pulse, the pulse of the Twitter world. And tolls. See, I kind of mix the word Twitter and pulse. The tolls, the right? Tolls. Gotta <laughs> what do you tolls, think about that name, Richard? We'll keep workshopping that one. All right, all right. Not the tolls, not the tolls. at the bottom of the pile. All righty. Well, today's lucky fan base comes from sunny Orlando. We're going to visit the Orlando, tra- I mean, magic. Um, let's check the pulse of Twitter, guys. I got a few tweets. You guys just go ahead and let me know what you think about these comments. And these are these are actually Orlando Magic fans, right? So whatever they say, they're letting us know what they think about their franchise. And we're just kind of going to gauge uh, the pulse of their nation. Uh, so the first one comes from Dan the Man Music. He says, I love the way Evan and Vooch play together, but sometimes they act like they're the only two out there. SMH. What do you think, Richard? What do you do when a, when a fan thinks that two guys are getting way too much attention? I just know that if I was on a team and I feel like these two guys are sharing the ball, hogging the ball, and I'm not getting the touches that I want, I take a good old leaf right out of Charles Barkley's book, sit my ass in the paint till I get a three-second violation, and they got to pass me the ball or else we're turning it over. So that's what I'm going to do all day long if I'm Obama, so I get all the touches that I need to sit my ass in the paint. So what happens when you try that... Cause it's a different game, right? It's a shooter's game. What happens when you try that and they just say, "No, I'm, we're not running the offense through you. We're just gonna, we're gonna give it to our guys." Because we know Vooch is is obviously talented, right? On the um, offensive end. Yeah, I mean he's averaging a double double right now. How do you tell that guy take less shots, Andre? I mean, so it, I feel like it's the coach's job to kind of you know manage everyone's shot attempts and minutes and stuff like that. Um, Orlando's a lot deeper this season than they have been in the past uh, with the addition of Obama. Uh, and Aaron Gordon's obviously pretty good, close to an all, pretty much an all-star-like player. He should be getting a lot more shots. So I feel like a player of his caliber would step to the coach and maybe request you know, more touches. Okay, so do you think they're being a little too conservative having Mo Bamba play under 20 minutes per game? He's only getting about nine shots a game. Actually, yeah, no, actually, that's four shots a game. He's yeah, only getting about shot, four shots a game right now. The game against Boston, I think he had like three shots. But, um, I mean, that he's young. We don't know what's going on in the locker room and during practices and stuff. So he could still be learning. We don't really know what his potential is yet. Um, but at the very least, I feel like he should be getting more touches and more time with the second unit. So let me ask you this, Richard. Um, lottery team, they draft Mo Bamba, right? And we know what he can do. He's a rim protector. Maybe not the guy you want to run your offense through. But if you're the Magic, do you, see, do you think you have a shot at the playoffs? And do you, is that why you're being conservative with your rook? You know, you don't want him to play too many minutes because you have Aaron Gordon. You have Vooch, right? You want those guys to get their shots, and they will. Do you think they're being way too conservative or they're in a position where it's like, hey, even if we make it to the playoffs, maybe we should just go ahead and try to get this guy some more minutes? I think they should rid themselves of all delusions of making the playoffs, honestly. 
Uh, they went off to a hot start last year, taking all these threes. Eric Gordon was talking. Eric Gordon was talking about how guys just don't know what to expect when they come into the arena. We're gonna su surprise a lot of guys shooting these threes, and they're gonna underestimate us. We're gonna take advantage of it. And as soon as the league stopped underestimating them, they put them right back in their place at the bottom of the East. So if it's gonna be the same result again, one more time, they should not delude themselves. Think they're gonna make the playoffs and just start tanking early along with these other East teams. Gotcha. So. Andre thinking maybe there's a reason for not playing him and they're being a little bit safer. Rich says go all in, right? I mean, like, <laughs> we're still, like, in the first five games of the season, so, like, right now anything's possible. Like, miracles happen. They're they're swinging for the stars right now. So, so this trying... is when everybody has a chance, though. You don't <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what... <laughs> yes, but it's not the NFL. There's more than 16 games. The true worst teams are going to bear themselves out over the course of the season, so just put Bamba out there as much as he can take it and see what you got. We know we don't have Nikola Vucevic, which is a rim protector, which is why they drafted Mo Bamba. I doubt they're going to want to pay him if they don't see a long-term future. So just get the young guys as much de development as possible and put those other guys on the trading block and start over because they don't have a solid foundation. Hey, we got, all I'm saying is we got to see some. Like, let me see a little effort. It's, started, it's game five. We can't, give, we can't throw in the towel that early. You don't, you, don't, you don't throw in the towel like the first 30 seconds of the fight. Blow it up. Like, yeah. So I'll transition to the next week because it kind of goes in line with what Richard said about Vooch. He's not a rim protector, right? This guy, uh, Magic Henry P., so we know he's a Magic fan. He said, Vooch back to his old soft self. Knew this wouldn't last. So, like you said, Rich, they drafted him with a purpose. Why aren't they playing him more than 19 minutes a game? Are you talking about Mobamba? Yeah, he's there. There's people, the fans are saying, Booch is soft, we know it. What is What the hell is Mobamba doing only playing 20 minutes? I mean, he, I guess he played quite a few games that is, uh, in college, made it to the, you know, made it to the NCAA playoff. I guess they're just trying to just work him in. I, I am saying blow it up. I'm saying put all the minutes on him that you can because he's young, but... I guess they're trying to work him in, and they're not on the same idea that I am. They're going to ramp it up as the year goes on. The way I see it, if you draft a guy that high, you got to play more minutes than that, especially when you're a franchise that wasn't a contender last year. I think you just got to get him as many minutes as you can. Let him find his rhythm. I don't care how early it is. I'm, I think it's, it's never too early. Well, yeah, I think it, it could be a coaching thing, too, because I'm looking at the, the, the shots he took. So it was showing that he took three shots against Boston. Two of those are threes. So that's your big man out there on the line. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if this is a coaching decision to try to have him be, you know, a, a stretch five or, or what. But it seems like the Magic are still trying to figure out, you know, what their general game plan and strategy is going to be throughout the season. And it looks like it at least worked on Boston, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure in terms of Vucevic. Yeah, I'm not sure what, he, what they're thinking over there, but uh, maybe they're just trying to develop a different game for him despite, you know, they, they figure he's good at being a rim protector. Let's see what else we can get out of him. So yeah. I wouldn't blame him for that. All right, we'll go to the next uh, tweet. This is from Oh Magic. Actually, this is from Simon Boulevard. Simon Boulevard. Why aren't the Orlando Magic fishing for Butler? We've talked about Butler. We won't spend too much time on Jimmy Butler himself. But does Matt, do the Magic realistically have the assets to make it happen? Andre? What 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 did what did the Magic have that the Timberwolves want? Like they have Aaron Gordon. I mean, they got some. They'll probably have a pretty good lottery pick. I mean, they do have young athletic pieces like Aaron Gordon, like you're saying. Uh, but Aaron Gordon, how much is he making? I have to look up his salary, but. The easy answer to this question is uh, the Magic, one, haven't won very many trades that they've made in the past several years with the Serge Ibaka trade and the uh, – and, oh, and not a trade, but signing Bismack Biombo. Like, I don't know how much uh, 
confidence the front office has in making a, a move like that and getting a Jimmy Butler on a rental mm-hmm. where he's going to just leave and split no matter what the, how good the weather is in Orlando. Uh, on top of that, Jimmy Butler is older than all these guys. He's young, in my opinion. He's still at the end of his prime, in his prime. But it, the timeline doesn't fit with these other guys. They'd be gutting their roster for eight months of a little bit of fun and then still probably making the eighth seed or the ninth seed. So it just doesn't make any sense. I agree. I think we're in a much different NBA, you know, where we don't we don't rent out players. We don't give up our future to rent out some players. It's definitely several teams in tank mode. Unless there's a wink wink deal going on where they'll stay, they're probably going to stay after the after the rental is over. Yeah, true, true. That could be that is something that happens. But I think uh, Simon here, you know, it's it's kind of a stretch. Some wishful thinking. You know, everybody wants to have a a big name in their yeah, market. Yeah, brother, especially. Yeah. So, but I don't think it's it's realistic in any sense. Um, We'll go to our last tweet. This is from Josh underscore King three. Has anyone ever met a diehard Orlando Magic fan? Like, do those exist? Laughing face. Have I, you ever met an Orlando Magic? fan? I don't think so. I've met fans of the players on the teams. I've, I've I had a my first NBA jersey with a Tracy McGrady jersey. Penny Hardaway Penny Hardaway captured a lot of hearts when he got drafted by the Magic a long time ago. Shaquille O'Neal. I was rooting for Dwight Howard against the Lakers because I personally just hate the Lakers. And now you hate Dwight Howard. And, and yeah, and I, I <laughs> he was him. a Laker. So did you hate him before he was a Laker? Him, I hated him <laughs> when he became a Laker. I really turned. <laughs> but uh, but really, like I said, there's a lot of fans of the players, but I don't think that the Magic are a franchise that have commanded a lot of respect over several years to where somebody can say, "I'm definitely a Magic fan," unless I guess they were around when the franchise was uh, started. <laughs> you know, gotcha. what I, mean? I mean, if you if you guys are Magic fans out there, let us know. Uh, let us know teams. you're more than you Miami's can, little brother, right? You can add me. <laughs> you can add Richard. Let him know you exist. Um, but like I said, uh, probably been living in Miami's shadow here the there last are half dozens decade. of them, man. Dozens. <laughs> dozens. Dozens. Dozens of upon dozens of Magic. I don't fans. know. I, mean, I visited there eight years ago, and I didn't see any Magic memorabilia outside of Disney World. So. I haven't seen a jersey since Dwight Howard, so... Yeah, I I know when I was a kid, I used to really want a T-Mac one, but I don't know any Orlando yeah. <laughs> So All right, well, like like I said, guys, if you are a Magic fan, let us know who you are. And uh, for next week's, or next podcast, I should say, uh, let us know which team we should do if you're a fan of a base that we haven't done. So far, we've done the Lakers and the Magic, so if you'd like us to do your uh, team next, just let us know in the comments, and uh, let's move on to the next topic. Alrighty, guys, we are back. It is one week in the books for the new NBA season, fresh new season, so there's no better time than to talk about our early season overreactions. I'll get the ball rolling. My early season overreaction is Dallas lost. Not only did they lose the game, but they lost the trade. That's it. One-on-one, not one-on-one, but head-to-head, Trey Young, his team won. Doncic, it was a bad trade. What do you guys think? I mean, it was a rough two quarters. I mean, we're going to just let that speak for the rest of our It's done. It's done. Lifetimes. That I, was it, right? Head to head. We all know it's a one-man one man game. I'm still not recovering from that, man. I have nightmares of Kent Bazemore just dunking all over us. And, and, and of course, it is an overreaction, and it wasn't all on Luka. I think Luka def- actually played very well. Uh, we had some, you know, some key players play well there as well. Uh, they played their roles very well, I should say. Um, Trey Young wasn't actually... Didn't show up till yeah he didn't really show up much until like his last 
the last couple minutes in the in the fourth quarter, uh, once Dennis Smith Jr. got into, uh, he twisted his ankle. Uh, he got some some clear drives to the to the goal off of him. Got some fouls. Uh, got to rack up some points at the free throw line. Showed off his handle. Yep, showed off his handle. Made some good passes. Like he got really involved. Even though his shot wasn't falling, he found ways to you know contribute and get his teammates involved. So it was really good. Yeah. So besides the the W, you know, on the win column, uh, one thing I did like about Trey Young, and and not to say that Luca won't, you know, grow into this role, but at the end, the 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 kind of swag he carried himself with, you know, kind of you know that young, confidence, that confidence, right? You could tell that's his team, like. It is. And, like, it might seem premature to say that, but when somebody carries themselves like that, I like that, personally. I like the guys that go out there, try to stun on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows them, you know, I'm here. I know you guys traded the pick, drafted me, but then I ended up in Atlanta. And you know what? I'm going to show you that you did lose that. I like that, right? Despite it being at the hands of our Mavericks, you know, I got to love it when a guy, you know, and this his was, mark on the game. This was his first home game, too, so... It was a it was a real statement for them to show that you know they weren't gonna take that line down for them to come back from twenty six even though it hurts me to watch and witness that I mean that was that was a pretty good performance by them yeah and it's obviously too early to really say who won or lost that trade I mean um, Barnes wasn't playing but <laughs> Barnes wasn't playing that's another part of it but Rich how do you think you you gauge that like is that something that you, that they'll be compared the rest of their careers or it'll fall flat at the end of the year what do you think it'll definitely be brought up brought up in passing for the rest of their careers even if like six seven years from now somebody gets traded uh when you bring up trey young if he has a long storied career uh, originally traded for this and this or like just like paul pearson and Dirk Nowitzki get compared because the mavericks could have had paul pearson instead yeah so it'll, it's gonna follow them forever but the players should really just put that behind them uh i know we're overreacting here but and uh, Luka Doncic had a bad couple quarters, but overall, I think both teams are pleased with the way it turned out. Luka has a lot of promise he's showing, and the way that he plays, kind of with confidence and kind of ease, faking players out with passes and you know behind the back dribbles and no look passes, shows somebody that look like he looks like he's been there before, and he's been there you know in the Euroleague for a long, long time. He's been a professional for a long time since he was what 13, 11 years old. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, promising on both sides, but you're right. The, uh, Atlanta Hawks totally obliterated the Mavericks in this trade, and that's where it all stays. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to be fair to, to Luka, I think uh, some other key players on the Mavericks are really the reason why the Mavs lost that game. Um, but it's early, you know. We, we still have a lot to see from Luka. We saw some 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 moments of brilliance against uh, the Timberwolves last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I expect more of that and less of... The Mavericks collapsing. Uh, as Andre mentioned, we'll have uh, Harrison Barnes back. So excited to see what's coming. Hopefully no more nine-minute stretches of being unable to score. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that'll never win you games, right? Yeah. Um, next overreaction, Andre. All right, so my hot take overreaction is the Philadelphia Sixers are going to win the East. Philadelphia Sixers are going to win the East despite yeah. a, uh, not a great performance in opening night. What makes you say that? I mean, yeah, they're they're still you know kind of figuring it out. Fultz is kind of you know figuring it out, but oh, but did. yesterday he hit his first three, and it was wet too. That thing went like <laughs> straight He's up. He found and down. his rhythm. Is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. So like the team's getting their synergy right now, man. I've I've watched a lot of Sixers games, and I haven't hit seen Dario Saric hit a three yet. And he's had a lot of open looks. <laughs> so I feel like he's like in a, a shooting slump. Their, their score would be way higher than it would 
normally be with him like breaking all those open threes. So let me tell but, you, a, a lot. Let me ask you this: a lot of people had the Bucks, you know, and it's still early, of course, this overreaction. But the Bucks, they had them, you know, ranked below the 76ers going into the season. Joel Embiid puts up put up. Yeah, Joel Embiid puts up thirty points and nineteen rebounds, and they still lose by fifteen points. Yeah. So a lot of break threes, but nah, nah. Hot takes over. Uh, the Bucks are a very strong team. Like Giannis is man, he's got some finesse for a guy that size. I saw him just like pretty much snatch the ball away from like Covington and Simmons a couple of times another off of rebounds. Uh, another easy triple double for him. Dude's finally pulling up from range. He's uh, seven feet tall, putting in pocket passes to a rolling big exactly. man. Exactly. Like, in traffic. <laughs> hand span of a foot. Like, the dude is a monster. Pulling up from the three-point line now. Like, so the Bucks which, could which, be real contenders. Would you say Giannis is, like, the... The post... Not the post child, but the perfect example of what you would want a stretch for to look like. Like He's not there perfect. yet. Obviously, I, I think uh, KD would probably be... Closer to that definition, maybe. Okay. But, okay. Do you think Giannis uh, will eventually surpass him? And of course, Kevin Durant's got a bigger legacy. The jump shot is just what puts KD over the top. And well, the handle, I mean, but those guys what, are definitely seven feet tall, of course, yeah. which is what makes them such pro- prolific scorers. But they both started at you know the shooting or the small forward or the three, and we slide them down to these positions to facilitate small ball and matchups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, still in my antiquated brain, when you think of like the perfect. Stretch four or whatever. Blake Griffin. Well, I mean, for current players, but you think about people like Dirk, people like uh, Kevin Garnett, that you yeah. can run the whole offense through from the mid post, kind of like Lamar Marcus Aldridge, but more mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of still what I think about, despite how world changing uh, the. Uh, Even the on the other side of the ball? Is. Like, I know you mentioned guys like Dirk who have, you know, they had a career of being criticized for their defense. You don't think that Giannis is probably the most. Well-rounded of all of them. Yeah, especially yeah. defensively. I think he He's plays very, better very, defense than Kevin he does, Durant. But um, I don't know about that. But he can uh, he, he can guard all five positions reasonably well. Uh, I don't think he's as much of a sort of like a uh, free safety uh, in the defense, kind of like uh, Kevin Garnett was always communicating in that sense. But I know what you mean. Super well-rounded. I feel like he's really still good. young. Though. I feel like he'll get that down as he gets more and more experience. This is, what, fifth season? So... Uh, I think this will be the first season where they actually take a playoff series, so it'll it'll be interesting to watch. I but no, nah, I like the Sixers because no man. I just think it's great game. that we can have this much dialogue about more than two teams in the East. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's like it's a huge shift, and that's with the loss of LeBron, right? Maybe it's because LeBron was that just overwhelming in the East, and so you couldn't really talk about anybody else because we all knew what was going to happen at the end of the season, or maybe they just it just so happened to be that the year LeBron steps out of the East. These teams are just loaded. Maybe that's why LeBron stepped up. I don't know, right? right? But it just seems coincidental. But either way, I love that we can talk about the strength of the West. And we can still talk about more than two teams in well, the East. Yeah, and it's like when you... Uh, it's like the old adage. Like, you move to a new town. You move to a new school as a kid. And it's like, I can be anybody that I want to be. LeBron moves to the next The bully's gone. And all these teams are like, oh, we can be anybody that we want. <laughs> we so can make the finals. So you're, so you're saying it's a psychological thing. <laughs> it's what's causing these teams to elevate themselves to another level. Uh, They've got this be, LeBron well block. Be. This LeBron mind block is what kept these teams from really fulfilling their potential. <laughs> we, we know and that's true for the gone. Raptors. <laughs> oh, I mean, apparently they're... Kind of, I have another hot take, though. If okay. LeBron stayed, he would not have made it to the finals this season. Oh, wow. 
That's that probably would, true. That would be serious, too. I don't know, because we're, we're after the about... showing last year, when you had such a, probably the strongest the Raptors ever looked, and you can talk about how Kawhi, you know, makes the team better defensively, along with Danny Green. And offensively. But they had never hit a stride. I remember what Richard said last year was, if they can win the first game of the playoffs, they're going to make it. Like, they just needed to get on a roll. And after watching that first game against, you know, the Cavs, it looked like that was going to happen, and then they still flopped. And I don't think that you could just put that all on DeMar. Um... Maybe it's just, uh, I don't know, some kind I mean, it's, of voodoo on I feel like it could have been coaching, too. Like, there were some bad decisions, especially in that so first game. So you're telling me you're putting it on the coach of the year? No, he's, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> I mean, like, you, that I mean. No, yeah, I, you get can, you, I guess you're not. <laughs> I, get you, I get what you're saying, but I don't know, man. It's it's LeBron. Who knows what they would have added in the offseason. I have the utmost respect for LeBron, LeBron, one of the best players ever. Top two, obviously, everyone agrees. Uh, but... I still, I think uh, this was his year to go down in the East, gotcha. especially with the so maybe he, LeBron is so smart he probably knew that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he probably was like time to go, time might as well. Two teams took him to seven, yeah, and the Cavs aren't well looking be. too hot right now. Neither are the Lakers. But let's move on to Richards' final hot take. It'll be short. It'll be sweet. Uh, MVP this year is gonna be Demar Derozan on the San Antonio Spurs. It's all about stop. It's all about stop. narrative. It's all about change of scenery. I can be anybody that I want to be. He followed LeBron to the West to take him on. He's in like the nah. Western Conference Finals. You killed my family. You he, killed my he, friends. He beat him just the other day, posting lines like uh, 32, 8, 14, 14 assists. Everyone's talking about who oh, hit those same lines. Everyone's talking about. Uh, Pop is unlocking all this stuff in DeMar DeRozan. He's always done this. He's added to his game every single year, improved the handle, improved his turnovers, uh, improved his shooting. He's always been a good mid-range shooter. He's being maximized, yes. And this coming, I think it's Saturday, they play again. He's going to beat him again. The only reason I disagree with you, I thought I didn't finish. He's going to beat him again, and then we're going to see. DeMar DeRozan rises from the ashes. The Raptors don't want him. He comes out as a spur, takes out the... uh, Takes out the Lakers multiple times and then takes them to the Western Conference Finals. Boom, you got an MVP. Let's see if the Lakers make it, but the only reason I disagree with that because the problem with the Spurs is they, they're playing awful defense right now. Um, and and do you, and it worked in the East, right? DeMar Rosen can put on a shooting spree. He can just put up you know crazy numbers, and that would get you the W in the East. Yeah. I don't in think that's sustainable season. in the West. I just don't see it. Whenever they're not, you're playing a team that's potentially going to make it to the Western Conference Finals, right? Like, literally, you know, you have six teams that can make it to the Western... Well, real, yeah, the Western Conference Finals. Realistically, yeah, yeah, the second yeah, yeah, round. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, but they could probably make it to the Western Conference Finals. Those kind of games with poor defensive play, they do have the worst defensive rating. It's not going to get them enough wins for him to be the MVP. We already saw what you have to do in order to not be a we, great team and win the MVP. You got to average triple, triple doubles. doubles. We, yeah. we already saw Russell Westbrook win the uh, MVP with the he what the broke a record. 60, 60, 60, but he yeah. broke a record. But we're gonna see something. And then he did it this the year afterward, and nothing. And didn't didn't yeah. got nothing. So we're waiting to see something that we've never seen before, which is Demar Derozan put a team on his back, beat LeBron, and go to the Western Conference Finals, and all the Bulls are gonna be coming. You know rushing. who also has never done that? Every other player in the Eastern it's Conference. Happen, <laughs> well, you know what would have been great is if that. Trade hadn't involved Danny Green, they'd be in really great shape. We could say that they'd be All a lot better. Is Demar Derozan MVP. All right, we can end this thing. Yeah, let's end that. <laughs> and we are back for our next topic. We want to talk about some rule changes that happened during the off season and how they are impacting the league so far. It is early. 
But it seems like one room in particular seems to be having some kind of an influence on the scores of the game, and that is the 14-second shot clock off of the offensive rebounds. We have seen some games that have gone to some high scores. Um, is that because of the 14-shot clock violation? I don't know. I'll let you guys decide. What do you think, Rich? Uh, I mean, some might say that having a shorter shot clock once you get the rebound encourages you to shoot more quickly, thus giving the other team the ball back out after the make or the miss, and thus leading to more possessions for each team, leading to driving the scores up. But uh, evidence so far, or in previous years, point to that less than 3% of total possessions after the offensive rebound actually were held until 14 or more seconds have, had, uh, had passed. So teams were getting shots up quickly anyway. I don't think anything has changed, and I don't think that's what's contributing to our higher scores. I don't know if you have this, that, but that'd be interesting to look at how many more possessions we're seeing, though. So we might not be shooting the ball, as, you know, we're not letting it run down past 10 seconds, or in the past we weren't letting it run past, down past 10 seconds, but I would be interested to see what the, you know, total um, differential is as far as possessions for the game. What do you think, Andre? Do you think it's the 14-second shot clock? Is that why we're seeing these high-scoring games? I mean, the other day we saw the Nuggets and the Warriors, you know, they totaled over 250 points, like, easily. Um, I don't know, man. I I think it's more a combination of this rule and the other rule that was just instituted, uh, the freedom of movement rule. And pretty much what this is, is they're now calling fouls on offense and defense for uh, people trying to hold, tug on jerseys, uh, pulling on people while they're trying to run around, get open and set screens and things like that. So now you're getting players who are getting, you know, free throws for that. You're getting fouled off ball, you get free throw for that. Stop and then when, when, when those players aren't getting fouled, they're getting open and they're getting those clean shots. I mean, the perfect example of that is a guy like Steph Curry who went nuclear last night. Uh, that was put, that was actually fun to watch. So. Yeah, he, dude, this uh, this is looked better than 2016. I know, I know some people that aren't the biggest fan of Steph Curry and how his game looks so effortless, almost looks as though it's too easy. But even that, even a, even looking at it through that lens, like those are the ultimate like raindrops from the sky is going into the into the into the basket. That was crazy. Yeah. So like that rule, man. It's it's really it's making it harder for players to defend, but for offensive players like Steph, you put up 51 points, had 11 threes off of what? 11 threes off of 16 attempts? That's 88%? Like, it's crazy. So, like, usually in the playoffs, like, players will foul them a little bit harder. They'll hold it more, and that doesn't get called. Mm -hmm. So his numbers will, you know, they'll suffer for that. But if things, if they're they're calling like this in the playoffs, you'll see a lot more players like him, smaller guys, who can't really get the space or... Uh, maybe create their own shot. They're so, gonna get so better looks. That makes me wonder a few a few things, and we don't have to branch into each of these things. And th- these aren't really statistics based, but kind of like what trends that I've seen over the years. What does that mean for teams like the Jazz and the Oklahoma <clears throat> City Thunder, who have good offenses about uh, you know based around Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and then they're gonna let Adams, Andre Roberson, kind of anchor their defense and stifle the other team and then have their offenses be good enough to surpass their point total after you know suppress the other team to win. Same thing with the Jazz, number one defense with Rudy Gobert. Gary Favors kind of dual twin-towering it up and having really good defense and letting uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, outscore the other team along with Joe Ingles. Is that difference not going to be enough anymore with all these hypercharged offenses during the season? 
uh, to where those teams have to kick their offense. Play a little more honestly. Well, with quotes. Yeah, a little more honestly, but like, is that different that they used to be able to make? Is it not going to be as much of a difference anymore or impactful enough with all these hypercharged offenses all year? Are they going to be not as good as we predicted them to be before we knew how this how these changes would take effect? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I definitely feel like rim protecting is going to be really important, at least for the close drives. But as far as guys out on the perimeter and the wings, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot harder for them. Uh, I think uh, the actual the shooters, the defensive players, are going to have to you know work on their shot a little bit more to you know take the most out of you're talking about the rest of the jazz yeah team like the, the jazz players jazz and okc they're gonna have to shoot better to you know make up for you know maybe getting this call now where before they would probably that'd just be good defense so. i mean so that and that's assuming that it carries through to the playoffs but what if it doesn't carry through to the playoffs what if uh the switch gets flipped more dramatically the same way that it has in previous years where we yeah, say where they start falling their now this is a lot more now playoffs. yeah now it's playoff defense time we're gonna switch and then now all these offenses that have uh been elevated to as high of a caliber as the Rockets in previous years or the Warriors in previous years uh, that uh, the switch gets flipped. Yeah. And then now what? You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the rug gets taken out from under him. Well, I think the, the, the thing there is, you know, your guy, that's where your guys who are used to that playoff basketball are really going to shine, right? It, it's not going to matter, particularly with guys like Steph Curry. Is it really going to matter? I mean, Steph Curry was lights out before any of this. Um, I think the teams that just naturally create that offense are still going to be able to create that offense despite not getting those calls. Or despite, yeah, not getting those calls come playoff time. Uh, I think it will just be a little bit of an adjustment. But other than that, I think you still run the same offense. And these guys that are natural shooters are still going to shine. Um, and ultimately, that's going to lead to, you know, the wins in the offseason. Because, yeah, I hate to say this, but I don't think defense necessarily wins championships in the NBA anymore, right? So it's still going to be whoever can. can I don't know about that. Team. Usually the best teams are the ones with de- decent defense, at least. You got to have a, you got to have the top ten you, defense to win. Would you say that defense is more a product of a better offense? It just it, it 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 forces the other team to make to make unfavorable decisions, take unfavorable shots because they're falling behind so fast. Well, I'll I'll use the Warriors again as an example. So they're powerful offense is built half of how strong their defense is so they become such a threat in transition because of how strong their defense is like everyone's scrambling you got three crazy shooters to try to cover in transition so you got to make a decision like that and all that is triggered off of their defense so i is that their defense or just that, how quick they're on the transition that's the no, defense leads to the oh, transition. yeah you're right you're right you're uh Draymond Green you're causing to, missed shots. to get some uh, get a some disruption from chaos or even get a steal and then immediately dribble up the floor looking for one of these three guys being so versatile. That's what sparked. The I see what you guys are saying, but I honestly am a believer that the reason that disruption even happens is because these teams get so they get off to such quick starts that they they're playing recklessly behind. The other the team ball. is gonna just have to play a different kind of game. You can't play, you know. You can't play that slow tempo, and you know the the Cavs tri- did that the year that they did beat the Warriors, right? But I think the Warriors are smarter than that now. They're not gonna let that bog them down. They're still gonna be able to get their their buckets on transition, and they are a better defensive team, right? They I feel like they've gotten obviously better with you know the addition of Kevin Durant, um, but I still think a lot of that comes from hey, you know you can fall down nine points in the first minute, right? Because yeah. you don't get two buckets, they get three on you, and now you're playing catch up. It's gonna make you take those those reckless shots. Yeah, start um, start looking like uh, Kelly Oubre did the other day when 
Steph Curry's dropping just like sixteen up. points in three minutes, and Kelly just has this face of, "What do I even do? What do you right do? Now? Right? Yeah, what like, do you do? You're not gonna slow the game down. Now you're down. You're no. you're you're down by so many points. Like the guy, like you just say, he dropped sixteen points. What do you do? You have to go and try to match that, and we know that nobody can match Steph Curry's shooting, right? Yeah. And that's what makes that particular team very good. Um, I think naturally we will see an increase in offense because of that rule change. Um, and whatever happens in the playoffs, I mean. These guys, these guys are built for the playoffs, I think, most of these teams. And with you know all this conjecture that we're kind of throwing out here, don't forget that this is not the first year that the league and the rest have emphasized a certain rule like traveling in the past. Or... I have seen a lot more traveling this year. Well, but I mean, in the past, in previous years, they've had their emphasis when the season starts. When they, they said, just, so we're going to call this. We're going to log down on this, and then it kind of just the rules get relaxed again after like a month or two, and things kind of reset back to normal. So this could all just be a moot point by the so, time Christmas comes around. So it's funny, I was watching, it's an old clip, right? It was from the ESPYs a couple years ago, and, and it was Peyton Manning. Um, and he made a joke about, you know, Every win counts, unlike the regular season in the NBA. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Do you think that the NBA does these kind of rule changes to create more excitement during the NBA? Because people are like, hey, I have a reason to, to, to tune in because there's these two high-powered offenses just going at it. I think about that game with the Nuggets the other night where it was just like back and forth, back and forth. And that was with the Nuggets missing free throws. That game could have been even a higher total score, right? They missed a ton of free throws at the end of the game. But just the fact that you have two teams that are just going at it, and of course these are two very good offenses, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to happen every night, but more often it's just like... It has a chance of yeah. drawing in that casual, the, the casual guy Phoenix just... uh, resident that says, oh, the Suns are on, and exactly, exactly. Devin Booker is 39 points in the third quarter, like, yeah, let's throw this on right now. Yeah, yeah. and that's something that, that other leagues, like the MLB in particular, has been trying to do for years, and the NBA seems to just be able to flip the switch and say, hey, more offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is... It, it's a combination yeah. that more teams just shoot threes, like the... Like just the, the way offense is transitioning overall, just look, making it... Look at the Bucks. All yeah. threes, all two. All layups, all threes. All yeah. layups, all threes. Nothing in the... Dunks. Middle. Yep. Dunk fest. So. Yeah. I think uh, it wasn't... An, I mean, obviously it wasn't an accident, but I think they, they knew... Yeah, there was some thought behind that. They yeah. knew what they were doing. I think it's smart. I mean, early in the season, I've already seen several games where I'm just like hype about, you know, how it, they're going to end. definitely makes it more exciting, but it does take away from the defensive aspect. Like, it's a lot harder for players to be defensive and But win. I think that's but, right to Richard's point. Yeah. With come playoffs, yeah, we'll see what happens. Back to normal, and we let the teams just. We, we don't know what's yet, but the chips will fall where they may. I don't know if I'm uh, totally against this notion. Like that'd be, I think okay with me. I guess. Uh, yeah. So, do you think that just because there's more offense, bad teams are gonna get better? No. No. You're still, you still got it. The game's still about putting the ball in the bucket. So they're going to look nicer, yeah. right? They're going to yeah. look nicer. The they're going to look nice. nicer or they're going to lose I, faster. Adam Silver <laughs> That's what's going to happen. The really <laughs> bad teams will just lose faster. Adam but, Silver really wants to make this sport the number one global sport. Like, yeah. And so that is how they get there. They, oh, yeah. they see what works. I mean, he's yeah. embracing everything that comes his way. So I think this is just another one of those things. And, and I appreciate him for, you know... Trying it? Yeah, for trying it, right? Mm-hmm. So That's far, so good. I look forward to more... You know, interesting more games. More exciting games. Yeah, more exciting games. And Definitely. other things, like the All-Star game changes and things like that. So, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's good to tinker, and I think it's going in a pretty good direction, even if this doesn't work out in the long term. Yeah. So. All right, guys. So, before we wrap up, we're going to go over our games for the weekend. So, these are your NBA League Pass 
games of the weekend. I am going to be watching Portland and Miami. Miami's been playing some solid defense, so I want to see how Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum do up against uh, one of the better defenses so far this season. Okay. Uh, I'm probably going to split my time between these two games. Uh, Detroit and Boston are going to be playing on Saturday at 6 here, so I guess I want to see how... Uh, you know, Blake Griffin does against, you know, a very elite team and see if Detroit really has what it takes to get over the hump. And then my second one's going to be uh, Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers and the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Charlotte's 2-3 and three right now. Philadelphia's 2-3. and three, So I guess uh, they're kind of in the same tier-wise uh, in terms of scoring. But I want to see if Kimba Walker has what it takes to, you know, really score against someone, a team with size like the 76ers. Or if uh, Charlotte really doesn't have any hopes for the playoffs. I like it. I like it. Philadelphia yeah. always brings some hype. Yeah, I was going to kind of copy up Andre and split my time between two as well. Uh, the first one was going to be uh, the Jazz versus the Pelicans on Saturday. And they play at 6 p.m. League pass only. Donovan Mitchell was having a rough first three games to start the season. Said he couldn't sleep because he wasn't playing very well. I wonder if he's getting better sleep now now that he had that... Uh, coming out party in the third game uh, can maybe topple the Pelicans who are still undefeated. Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, uh, and that gang. Or another one to watch is now that Harden's out for two games of the pulled hamstring. I think it's two games or two days. Uh, they play the Clippers, I think, on Friday. Uh, so it'll be just Chris Paul running the show, I guess, with Carmelo Anthony, if you want to count him, too, against the Clippers. And anything that, anything that happens in L.A. is always filled with fireworks, as we have come to expect. So Yeah, last time they had to call the cops right here, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys are more talented than I am, apparently. Damian Lillard will be getting my uh, undivided attention. I still, I'm sticking to my take from the last episode where uh, I think he can make first team. So yeah, I want to see how he does against, uh, what, like I said, one of the better offenses. Uh, defenses, sorry. Um, that does it for us, guys. Um... From early hot takes, you know, overreactions to new rules and, uh, you know, what we're watching for the weekend. Oh, by the way, if you guys have a game you would like us to cover on the next podcast, just let us know and we'll make sure we uh, we fire up our league pass and uh, watch that game for you and give you our analysis. Um, but that does it for us today. For the Shot Callers, I'm JV. You got Rich. Andre. And we'll see you guys next time. Yep.